friends. Happy Tuesday. Today's episode is basically a double episode. I know it's double the length that I typically aim for, so you're getting double the dose of content this week. I'm chatting with my real-life friend, Kate Kennedy, and anytime we go to dinner or drinks, we end up shutting down the restaurant because we've been known to chat for a solid five, even seven hours at a time. So really, you should consider yourselves lucky that we kept this conversation to under an hour and a half. Anyway, Kate is an author, a podcaster, a small business owner, Taylor Swift conspiracy theorist, and you've probably seen her doormats all over Pinterest and Etsy. And if you haven't had your fix after listening to this double episode, head over to Kate's podcast. It's called Be There in Five. Later this week, she's going to be posting the episode we recorded And we recorded that for over two hours when we sat down to do that. So also I want to preface this episode by saying that I had a different mic situation than I normally do. I feel like I sound very echoey, so I apologize for that. For all the rest of the conversations I've had, I've simply set up my mic that I'm on now in between me and whoever I'm chatting with, but for this conversation, we each had our own mics across the table, neither of which were the normal mic that I'm used to, so bear with me on that. It's worth it, I promise. I think it's probably one of my favorite conversations yet. So today I'm here with my friend in real life, Kate. Kate is an entrepreneur, a podcaster, an author, among many other things, Daily Mail dissector. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm really excited to have her on here. We met in the winter of 2016, kind of through a random friend connection and kind of over the years have become close friends and are even working on something together, which we may or may not get into. So (laughs) I'll turn it over to you. You can probably explain what you do a little bit better. I, it's, it's no, it's like one of those things where well, we talk about we just talked about that we both lie about what we do because it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in this form, I you know can explain. No, I have a, I have like a lot of different jobs. Basically, I I started in the corporate world, worked in market research for like six years for Nielsen, if you know the TV ratings company. And while I was there, I, um, as a side hustle, started a company because I was panicked that I was going to leave my curling iron or straightener on and I'd burned down my house. <laughs> I was looking for a canvas on my way out the door and saw my doormat. And I was like, well, these are used to welcome people in your home. I live here. Like, I should use it to see me on my way out. Figured out how to paint, turn off your curling iron on a doormat. Um, put it on Etsy. Didn't think about it. Moved on with my life. One morning I woke up was sold out, had hundreds of messages, was like inundated with like all sorts of stuff. I was like, what happened? A radio station found them out on Pinterest, made it into a meme. It got over 200,000 likes in a night. And then from there, my life completely changed. If that speaks to the power of, you know, social media yeah. and, and viral marketing. But, um, so yeah, I, I named the company be there in five, um, after like my tendency to run behind is kind of a salute to one of my biggest flaws. And I figured the type of customer that's like leaving so fast, they forget to turn off appliances is probably a be there in five type (laughs) of gal um, or guy. And uh, yeah, so I quit my job about a year in after selling a couple thousand doormats, which sounds like I never was death. Like I never thought I would like be in the flooring bid. (laughs) But yeah, and then uh, quit my job about a year in, have been doing Be There in Five full time. Since then, we've kind of branched off into doing other things, whether artwork or tea towels or other mediums, but also doing consulting for other small business owners. I had a heck of a time learning to scale a handmade business, so I try to help other small business owners scale where and when I can from what I learned. And um, yeah, and then in the lonely days of self-employment, I kind of found that 
more so than anything I was doing on Instagram with the mats or with small business, people really identified with my pop culture knowledge. And to me, be there in five's principle was always like, these are the things that distract me on a daily basis. And that's why I'm kind of be there in five. It's not because I'm forgetful or I don't respect time. I'm like really curious when something happens, I need to know everything about it right then. Mm -hmm. I drop everything and it kind of makes me, I don't know, fit too much in and uh, makes me run behind. So I started a podcast to kind of um, talk my way through the lonely days of self-employment when I was having a hard time. And that, and it's called Be There in Five. And I've been doing it for about a year and it's a pop culture podcast. It's actually kind of become the best part of my job. And I talk a lot about celeb gossip, conspiracy theories, Taylor Swift conspiracy <laughs> theories, um, kind of like blind items and current events in the 90s and 2000s zeitgeist and kind of all the things I've always loved and absorbed throughout my life that are a bit that I don't have a lot of direct friends that um to talk to about these things that's why the mic is awesome you can almost share the things that you don't even talk to your friends about anyway uh aside from that uh during this process I wrote a book um kind of out of the uh, I mean you understand it's like when you are working for yourself, you have no choice but to shamelessly self-promote online. And I, during a day when I felt sick of it, I wrote a poem about it, as one does. <laughs> <laughs> After I wrote the poem, I thought it was like, I kind of thought of it as like a handbook. Like, you know, I wish I knew how to do this as well as other people. I was trying not to be bitter. I was trying to channel my negative energy somewhere. And then I kind of thought, well, it's even funnier thinking like, what if this was a how-to for like kids, how to make it online as an influencer? And the more I thought about that, I kind of wrote it in this format of being like a children's book. And I titled it Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star, shopped it around to publishers, ended up getting a publishing deal. And that came out in November of 2018. And it's like a parody for, um, it's for adults, but it looks like a kid's book. And it's kind of illustrated through if nursery rhyme characters had Instagram accounts. So like at Mary had a little scam, has an MLM, <laughs> little Bo Peep has a GoFundMe for her lost sheep like at Little Miss Muffet, I think was like cast off the bat, and sells curds and whey protein. You know, normal stuff. <laughs> I love it so, so much. So that's my quick spiel to say, yeah, I have like a lot of different jobs. It's hard to explain. I, you can imagine like on this podcast, I'm sure you're like, oh my God, shut up. If you met me at a bar, you'd be like, okay. <laughs> Wrap it up. So that's why I say I'm in interior design. <laughs> I So we just recorded for Kate's podcast right before that. And I said that my go-to line in a bar, like when a guy's like, oh, what do you do? Ad sales at Pandora after my lovely friend that does that. And then they're probably like, they move on. Like spot, isn't Spotify more relevant? Like do they try to engage? Not really. No. (laughs) Probably because it's Pandora. I think a few times it's been like, oh, Pandora. Yeah. I used to have that. I'm like, yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Um, Okay. So we always talk about how we kind of have similar career trajectories where we both were working full time in corporate world and kind of had these side hustles that just kind of all of a sudden became a thing. And we both worked our regular jobs while doing it on the side, kind of to a point where we're at a breaking point. And I think you do, I want to say it was one of your first few episodes. You talk about kind of like how you got to where you are. And I remember Mm -hmm. that was before we were like good friends, Mm -hmm. but you also have a, how I built this series on your podcast. Do you know like what area that's around? Episode like 28 to 31, maybe. It's so interesting. Because you've gone kind of, we talk about this a lot and I always think that people are interested in the entrepreneurial side of things of like how you know it's time to leave your job and all of that. And then how entrepreneurial life isn't just like 
you, you made it. You know, you quit your job right. and there's a lot of like ups, turns. The middle. Yeah, there's a lot of middle. <laughs> um, so I don't want to like take away from that series too much because I think it's so worth listening to and we have a million other things to talk about. <laughs> Side note, we just recorded Kate's podcast and it was two hours and 21 minutes Oops. long. So that'll have to be <laughs> cut down or split or something. Next time, but, yeah, we'll do yours first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, clearly we can talk forever. I'm surprised that we still have more to say, but um, <laughs> I think where I want to start out for mine, I think that your whole career part is so interesting and I feel like we could talk about that forever. But like I said, I think you did a good job of wrapping that up into like a nice pretty little bow. And I think everyone should head over to her podcast. It's the same name, Be There in Five mm-hmm. podcast to check those out. But we were getting caught or um, wine last week after an event that we went to and we were kind of talking about these like catch-up questions Mm -hmm. that kind of like are triggers. And I had this blog post probably a year ago and it was a time when every single one of my friends had gotten engaged. It was even before like the pregnancies started. And a lot of my friends had gotten recently promoted at work and, you know, cause we're like nearing 30 or just, you know, it's a, it's a time where a lot of change happens for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Milestones. Yes. A lot of milestones and people would harmlessly ask me, so like, what's new with you? And it just, for whatever reason, I like couldn't shake it. And it would be like this triggering thing of like, what's new with you? And I'm like, literally nothing, nothing is new with me. Same thing. Still <laughs> like struggling, you know, like trying to like figure out my business, all of that. And I think it's so interesting that I always, in my mind, always think like, okay, you know, like once you get engaged or have a boyfriend, like you kind of like have something to talk to, but we were Mm -hmm. talking about how that happens at like all milestones. And like, even that you're married and you guys have been married for a little. People still aren't satisfied. Totally. It's like, (laughs) when are the kids coming? Yeah, exactly. No, I I think it's something that I talk about a little bit and the how I built this series because I always, people like to think, I think sometimes people do things for how they look. I think a lot of entrepreneurship can be like, for the sake of saying you're an entrepreneur, it's a lot of show, a lot of networking events I go to. People are just like, oh, so what do you do? Are you getting funding? We're pre-revenue. And I'm like, okay, first of all, (laughs) pre-revenue is not a thing. It's an idea in your head. (laughs) (laughs) Like in the startup world, for some reason, that like it drives me nuts. So much of it is for show. And then, and even for me, sometimes I can get caught in that, but you realize over time how like nobody around you is ever going to be satisfied. Nobody's ever going to stop prying and it's, they're well-intentioned. It's never a bad thing, but like, you know, when you, when I quit my job and was an entrepreneur, people were like, Oh my God, what's it like to follow your dream? And then like, you know, I, I'm in it for a while and like, I'm visibly sick of my dream. And then people are like, what's next? And I, like I had two years where I had nothing to say. And it was, I didn't want to go out at times. Like, cause when you're your token, exciting, you followed your dreams friend. And I know that sounds stupid, but it really starts this dialogue everywhere you go. Cause people want to tell you their idea. They want to know what it was like to leave your boss. You hate, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's the shark tank of it all that I think people are really interested in. And, and I love sharing it, but, um, I think it's hard when you're struggling with something that you're not that excited about, or you feel like you've failed and the, uh, people want to know, want to hear something like so exciting. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it ebbs and flows. Like, and then when I had a book deal, honestly, when I got, when I like signed my book deal, I was like, wow, this is eight solid months of me having something to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
great. Like whether to my family, husband or whatever, like I can talk about the book. I can get, like, this is something I can be excited about. That's not silly. That's universally understood. That's not like I got verified. (laughs) Like I'm never, (laughs) you know, uh, somebody let me on their show. It's like, those are things, insular things that are exciting, but, um, yeah. And I think we both kind of relate to that in that, I don't know, what do you talk about with people your age? If you don't have kids or whatever, like work and you, nobody understands your work. Yeah. Very few people. But I think what's interesting is I might not understand what each of my friends do with their day to day jobs. I know that they work in finance at Walgreens and I don't know like the ins and outs. And so we, we don't really like go into it, but I think since our jobs are more visible and people can like follow the work that we're doing, Mm -hmm. I'm not like following my friends, like spreadsheets at work and can talk (laughs) about like different things, you know? So it just like comes up, but it is interesting that there are times where I, it's like talking about work all the time, even though it, it it is like well-intentioned or people are just like curious because it is like this different path. It's just, it can be like draining to talk about. It's like what our lives revolve around like all day. And then people like always are wanting to know the next thing. And you're like, uh, and it, yeah, and it's it's almost like which is worse or which is better. I don't know. Me paint me kind of like being upbeat and being like it's great. I'm doing this and doing that. When sometimes I think people are asking me because they don't like their job and they almost want to hear a story of somebody who like made it on their own, but. I am maybe honest to a fault about these things and that sometimes I come off a little negative because when it's not going well, I have trouble not saying that. I'm like, I'd rather just be honest that it's not as easy as it looks. But then I feel like I'm discouraging people. It's kind of like my last name's Kennedy and a cashier looks at me with such hopeful eyes (laughs) (laughs) and asks me if I'm a Kennedy. And... This downswing of their mood when I'm like, no, like not at all. I'm like of the, I don't know, Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee Kennedys, like not, not the Boston Kennedys. Like I was at a Best Buy, my computer crashed. I had like mascara tears running down my face um, and I had to emergency buy a new computer. It was like, you know, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. I was so upset because I, I, I tell this like it was way back when. This was in February. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, this lady's like, oh, your last name's Kennedy. Are you one of the Kennedys? And I'm like, I am crying over $2,000. You really think I'm on my way back from Hyannis Port? With Ethel and the gang? Like, are you insane? <laughs> like, no, I'm not Kennedy. <laughs> it's just like, it, it's always in scenarios where I'm like, you know, at a McDonald's or like at, you know, crying over money. That I'm just like, no. <laughs> but anyway, I say that because I'm like, I don't want, I think, you know, it's like when you ask somebody how they're doing and they're like, actually, I'm having a bad day. And you're like, ugh, I can't take this on. (laughs) Just tell me you're fine. so true. I feel like I do struggle with that because why I started my podcast, how I've mentioned this before, it's like we live in this like glossy world of Instagram Mm -hmm. where like everything's like pretty and almost like manufactured. Mm -hmm. And people think followers equals fame. Yeah. And then when you do try to like be real, People are either like great into the vulnerability or like, whoa, we didn't ask. Like, like, I don't know how to comfort you. Yeah. Like, I can't comfort you at this thing I don't understand. (laughs) Like, you'll get him next time? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird. And I think, too, the the work part of it, I can get past. But also, when people don't want to talk about their personal lives, they talk about work. But when you don't want to talk about work, (laughs) people go back to your personal life. And we were talking about this last week. And I think like, 
I assume a lot of you guys probably deal with this and that when like when I I dated my now husband for five, six years before I got married and for the last two years of the dating cycle, all anybody ever did was like, ask me when we were going to get engaged. And I was like, I don't know. And even if I did what I tell you, and honestly, if I like, don't, be breezy right yeah, now. I'm trying to be cool. And like, if I also, if I want it to happen and it's not, don't you think that's a little bit hard for me? Yeah. And people do that to you and my sister constantly about being single, which is the real frustrating part. I was at a baby shower a few weeks ago and, and it was a girls that I hadn't seen since that woman or I was, it's weird. I'm not, I say girl, I know. I say girl too. And like, I hear people say women and I, when I try to say like this woman, I I still feel like I'm like a teenager and like this woman sounds like this like six year old woman. I'm picturing myself in health class when they're teaching us about periods (laughs) and they're like, you'll become a woman. And I'm like, gross. (laughs) I'm not one of those. When I hear woman, I'm picturing somebody that is in their mid fifties. I know. So the girl, my friend who is pregnant, (laughs) I hadn't seen a lot of that group of friends since her wedding a few years ago. And, you know, when you're all hanging out for the bachelorette and showers and all that, and everyone's first question, you know, and you're having individual conversations. It's not like you're sitting around a group circle by maybe like the fourth person that asked me like, so are you dating anyone? I was like triggered, like literally (laughs) (laughs) triggered. This is like such an epic time to press record. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> I was trying to take a breezy Insta story for talking. But yeah. You- but yeah, by like the fourth time it happens in like a baby shower scenario. And it's like what everyone else is kind of talking about is like who they're dating, wedding plans. When, have you picked a date yet? And I'm not trivializing any of this or downplaying it because these are such big milestones. And like, I'm so happy for all of my friends going through this, but sometimes feels to me, it's like, oh, Jess, are you dating anyone? You know, Like you have right. nothing to add to this conversation. Like, are you making your way towards these milestones? And as somebody who's not, you're just like, nope, not dating anyone. Well, are you on the apps? No, I don't want to be. Oh, I'm sure you're, you know, like he's right around the corner. (laughs) It's like the sad eyes. It's so well intentioned, right? Yeah. Going through that, it took me like about a week of kind of, I feel like I was in a little bit of a funk after that baby shower and it just, it kind of all hit me. Like I have a lot of friends that are pregnant outside of that baby shower and, you know, it's just a kind of a few, like very loaded few weeks of like a lot of kind of like bigger life changes are happening. And I finally last, I can't remember which day I saw my therapist that week, but I finally like got to a place where I was like, I'm okay with this. And I finally just accepting, like, I don't know if I ever even want to have kids. I don't know if I ever even want to get married. I'd love to find like a partner, you know, to like spend life with, but I, I feel fortunate in some cases that I don't need to, I don't have that like well, I can't have kids, you know, like that right. ticking time bomb yeah. kind of thing because I'm like, I don't know if I really want to, yeah. you know, and it, it's and just tough party talk. Yeah. At a baby shower. <laughs> 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 it's so true. So it's like, what do you say? And they're like, are you dating anyone? And I'm like, oh no. Well, are you on the apps? Like, no, like I've kind of been there, done that. And like, I have. You're going to freeze like, your eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Which also like. 
shit. Like I, think I know. About that I would I'm if like, I had the cash. I? I would in a heartbeat. But it's also like not easy. You have to go through like IVF uh, for the egg re- retrieval, right? And like pump yourself up with hormones. Yeah, which that's like. I don't know. People who go like, through IVF, that's, like, terrible. Like, right. Then and you're volunteer. I don't. I'm, like, going to get a blood clot. Like, I, my head goes, like, I don't need hormones. I don't want to get, like, you know. Yeah. It's irrational. It's, but, yeah, I think, like, it's funny because it almost takes, even if you know what you want or don't want, it doesn't make the questions. Any easier. Any easier. And, it, and again, it's not about the people, but it's it's more so, like, at this age, you don't see your nearest and dearest that often. The reality is it's in spurts and you have concentrated amounts of time to talk to people. And those are the things you talk about work and love life and kids and whatever. But to leave those situations feeling like people were so dissatisfied with your answers and people were so feeling like you needed something more in your life. Like it's kind of like, well, I do feel like I have stuff going on that I wasn't able to articulate well because we didn't go there. And it's almost like, like Kelly and I were talking about this. She's like, I don't want my friends to like worry about me. Like I'm fine. But I'm not going to go give you the laundry list of all the, like, single independent woman things I'm doing that I love. (laughs) I know. It's so hard. And I think sometimes, like, it always comes from a place of... It's not malicious, right? And it, but sometimes it can almost read as... It's almost like a projection of maybe when they were single, all they wanted to do was find somebody. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm like, yeah, like... I don't know. I, I have faith that it'll happen when it's supposed to, which is true. Like, at the end of the day, I know that. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like they just might think you're just saying things. So then they just, like, want to, like, pump you up with that positive energy. And it's like, why Why are we still talking about them? Right. Like, you're such a good person. I really hope you, like, find somebody. I'm like, me too. I will. Like, Yeah, but, like, I'm not sad. Subject. Like, and, and yeah. You can't be like, don't look at me like that. Like, yeah. I'm fine. I know. Like, he'll come when you least expect it. Yeah, totally. And... This is, this is what we can't figure out. And, like, maybe you guys will have some input about, like, the party talk or whatever is... And the joke is, I would have rather somebody ask me about work than, like, if I want kids. It's, like, loaded. And then again, do I be honest? Like, am I... Do I say, like, I'm not sure, da, da, da. But then the, the immediate response is always, like, you're never ready. I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know that that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people do maybe need to be a little bit prepared. Totally. But it goes back to the asking of, so say if you're asking somebody who's dating somebody long-term, clearly like you see a future with that person. People are like, when are you getting engaged? It's kind of like, don't you think I like want this to happen? Right. So if they don't know that you, you know, are not sure if you want kids or whatever it might be, you could be like actively trying and not having success. So exactly. like the fact that we're asking, like, you know, it's not ill-intentioned, you know, you like want to be able to support that person, but it like can make for very like awkward situations. It can. And I think that's like the call to action that like we want to figure out. And like for anybody listening, almost come locked and loaded with like more specific questions or topics or things people can talk about for more meaningful discussions. And I don't mean to be all like, like I, I kind of hate the camp, not hate, but the campaign on red carpets, ask her more. Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't ask people what they're like, who they're wearing, like the Joan Rivers thing, which I love because fashion's a real industry that needs yeah. promotion. I get frustrated because I'm like, well, they have a free dress in exchange. Like it's a value exchange in exchange yeah. for promo. They should say who they're wearing. It's only fair to the manufacturer totally. of the dress. But the point is also like, we have a lot to say, like, and we're on a big platform, like ask women like more pressing questions than like, you know, can you walk your fingers awkwardly through this Manny cam or (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I hate that thing. And so I was kind of, we were t- talking about like, it's kind of like ask her more, like baby shower, bridal shower, the bar passerby edition. Like, what can we ask each other to like connect and have meaningful discussions and honest discussions, but in a way that's not, you walk away feeling like you were too negative in the conversation or you feel like you pushed a button that you didn't mean to. And I don't have the answer. I don't either. But it's kind of like, I think we all feel it in a different way. And I think like for some people who like were called to have kids and get married earlier, like that's amazing. You're probably so happy in your life. But one weird conversation with somebody who's trying to overstate how much they love their independence, you probably walk away feeling weird. Yeah. So it happens. It's not, it's not like just the single people or just the self-employed people feel this way. It's like, I don't know. I just think small talk leaves us all worse off. (laughs) Yeah. But then it's hard too, like in those situations where you do just kind of want to keep it surface level and it is just small talk. And then if you try to like open up this treasure, not even treasure trove, like this Pandora's box, Pandora's box of like issues, you're like, whoa, didn't ask, you know, like, (laughs) but I actually do. Okay. With the whole didn't ask thing, I always think other people probably feel like that, but I actually very rarely do. I actually am always very happy when people like open up to me and I don't really overthink what they say unless I'm like running late and don't have time. In yeah. which case I be careful how I asked it. Yeah. No, I find myself having a lot of odd deep conversations with people <laughs> yeah. all all the time. And I think it's I hope I don't know. I I enjoy it and I hope Same. that it's like endearing and I hope that I'm not like prying. I do think it just like comes out of people, you know, in these like weird ways and it makes for more meaningful conversations. However, I feel like there has been some situations Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, maybe in more of like a work setting that somebody is kind of like oversharing at times, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, let's like take it back to this or, you know, just, I think it's like reading the time and place, you know, plays into it. I actually went to um, this event at the wing. Oh yeah, with the in the former um, chief head advisor for Obama was speaking, uh, Valerie Jarrett. It was such a good talk because a she said like the only reason I went to I think it was Yale was because like oh no Stanford is because like a hot guy at my high school was, (laughs) and I was like it's so cool of you to admit that like at one point we're all just like dumb girls (laughs) like following boys around like doing everything in the name of love. Then she was talking about how like her biggest piece of career advice is develop to develop personal relationships with the people you work with and to not be professional. And I never actually said somebody with like a serious job say that because. I actually am always raging against stiff professionalism because like when people interview for me and they're really robotic and they think that they're favoring this like um, detached version of themselves in the name of professionalism, but it prevents me from connecting with them. I'm like, no, I, I don't, I don't care that you can like put on a poker face and just like be a robot. I want somebody who I can be stranded in an airport with. 100%. Like I want somebody I can talk to related to that. But to your point there, there's a balance professionally for sure. And I think to me that balance is um, informative versus dependent. Mm, yeah. Sh- like share with me all you want, vent to me all you want. When you want advice, I'll tell you what I think, give or take. I'm much more careful about giving advice in the older I get because 99% of the time they don't want it. <laughs> they just need to like, they, sounding board. Like yeah. you're not crazy. 
I affirm you in your concerns. Like I think people need affirmation, need support and don't need solutions. I think a lot of times men are providing solutions and that's a source of so many fights. And like you're everyone, if you're like, Oh my God, my boyfriend or husband, and I fight about that all the time. Like literally everybody I talk to, that's like the core center of their disagreements. It's like, I just want to vent. I just want to complain and I don't need a solution. I follow a lot of like self-helpy Instagram accounts. And one of them is man talks. And so it's actually geared more towards men, but I still find it interesting. And it's like seeing what the other side of things, Mm -hmm. you know, like I am just a weirdo and enjoy that. But it always talks about ask her what she needs, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a fixer type. I'm probably, I'm probably more like masculine than I am feminine. Like I think I operate like that too. And so it's been helpful for me of like kind of taking a step back at times. And I'm like, what does my friend need right now? Does she need me to like fix this situation, offer advice of how to fix it? Or does she just need like, does she need me to be like a positive support in this? Or does she need to be me to be like down in the dumps with her with this? And kind of sometimes you can't always ask that, but you can, what can I do to help? You know, or I just had like a mind blown emoji moment of you saying that because you get really absorbed in other people's stuff and whether inadvertently or not, like if somebody else is having a hard time, like, oh yeah, you get so absorbed in it. Oh yeah. And way more than like me or anybody else I know, but you saying that like I'm more of a fixer, it now makes sense to me. Oh yeah. Cause I'm like, I, I, I like skimboard over your problems. I'm like, I'm here, talk to me, but I'm gonna exit out and go back to my normal life because at the end of the day, people have to help themselves. But when it's like my family or a best friend, like I, I very much absorb that energy and that can be really a draining way to be. And I think that's why men get frustrated a lot too, because they're like, you're not letting me help you. You're complaining and I'm absorbing this energy, Yeah, but you're not doing anything. Totally. And honestly, that, that's been the, my role in like my family dynamic, you know, for so long. And I am such a, I, I am that like fixer. So if somebody is coming to me over and over complaining about a situation, I'm like, I'm here for it in the beginning and I'm going to talk you through it and whatever. And I'm going to offer like advice. But if you keep coming to me with the exact same problem, I'm going to be like, I can't say anything more. What, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And I think it's recognizing like what it will make, what they, they are needing in that situation. But I think too many times I've like fallen into the thing where I'm like, what, why, why are, why are we still doing that? Like yeah. I, I've offered, I don't know. It's just, I always do, whether it's friendships, family dynamics, like fall into this role of fixing as a child. I feel like, you know, if my parents were unhappy, I was unhappy, you know, because I yeah. felt like you absorb the energy. Ain't nobody happy if like your mom's not happy, yeah. you know? And so I was just always trying to like keep the peace and make sure everyone had everything they needed, mm-hmm. even though I was the kid. Mm-hmm. And I've just taken that into my whole adult life. Boundaries were very new to me until yeah. the last two years and like understanding like you can only do so much for people and you, you know, you can't just like solve the whole world's problems, even though you like want no. to. And I think that's a great, like you talked about, um, like you're a therapist a lot in the first few episodes. That's like a great example of a thing that's not like life or death that you would necessarily immediately go to a therapist for, but the type of personality thing that you might not even realize is dragging you down. That's important to like work through and strategize around because I think a lot of times people think they don't need like help or need to talk oh, to a third 100%. party because they're not like going through something traumatic. But I think that like, therapists help you recognize and work around patterns and you getting like really dragged into like, you know, whether it's friendships or family drama to your own detriment where the, the, there's no incremental value to the other person, but you're losing a ton. You know what I mean? And I think that, I don't know, it's been interesting for me to learn from you 
because you're like so open and attached to your therapist that you once ghosted that now you've come back. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but like that knows you so well. I think it's cool you guys work through like personality. Not, I don't know how to explain it, but you know what I mean? It's not situations. It's totally. your default setting. Like let's make the most of the cards you're dealt. Totally. And my therapist takes like a very like holistic approach. So, you know, I've always struggled with anxiety and she's never want, like we've never even talked about like medication. Like I could for sure probably be on something, you know, or like a mood stabilizer Mm -hmm. or something, but it's more so like, how can I change my lifestyle? So finding other ways to like remedy situations without, or just recognizing my patterns, nothing ever gets easier. I think you just figure out ways to, you're just more equipped to handle the bad times or the crazier times. Yeah. And as a professional, she probably can recognize when it gets to a point where it's unmanageable. And the good or bad thing is you've probably dealt with it for so long that your your normal is anxious, right? And I think some people develop more of an anxiety disorder with age where like they do need to be medicated because it impedes on their job or they can't breathe or they're having panic attacks. And it's like... It's just important to have somebody like listening and paying attention to you and watching that. Yeah. I think because it it does kind of ebb and flow over time. And I know I go through periods of time where I'm like, anxiety is something we all, a lot of people have and deal with. But then there's like a point where you're like suffering. Yeah. And you almost are like, just think you deserve it. Totally. And I know you talked about this in your last podcast, but I just think it's like a really interesting discussion because like in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and I, I've never been, but I listened to Dak Shepard's podcast. Who's and that? Uh, he's an actor who has like a really popular podcast called Armchair Expert. He's married to Kristen Bell. He was in like Parenthood. I think he, Do you yeah. think I'd like it? Should I listen to it? I think I, I like to listen to interesting people talk to each other. It's not really an interview. It's like like what we're doing. Yeah. And um, he is very self-actualized man because he's been sober for 11, 12 years. And people that go through AA, Al-Anon, like the, those kind of support groups are required to look inward and required oh, yeah. to work through their stuff. And, the, you know, the, what is it, the 12-step program? Anyways, he talks about how there's um, this concept of terminal uniqueness, that like all alcoholics suffer from terminal uniqueness. And it's the human condition of thinking that your problems are so unique and nobody can possibly understand you. And it's the it's so accurate. And it's one of those things that the more you can break down that barrier and not make people think like nobody can possibly understand what I'm going through. It's so important. That's why, like, I don't know, I love that you talk about this stuff because... I think that otherwise you're not going to know like what's normal, what's situational, when am I suffering, when do I need medication, when do I need to talk to somebody like we all need to have a per like a person or people or somebody to check in with because I think sometimes we're the worst people to check in with ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's been like a big part of I guess my like journey for lack of a better word but even when things are seemingly fine I still go to my therapist I might cut it down I'm currently going every other week you know the most I've gone is like every week but and sometimes with travel like even less than that but even the times where I think I have nothing to say and that's what's been so interesting with like therapy in general I'll be like nothing's blown up with my family this week with certain friendships like there's been no new developments nothing to say everything's Mm -hmm. like Gucci But those actually tend to be like the most like transformative sessions because it's not just this venting of like what's going on. It's like it'll somehow spark something and we get on this whole other topic that like I didn't even know was there. And I always think about this before I moved to New York. So it was when I lived in Chicago 
right after college. And I had found out that my brother and now sister-in-law were expecting a child and was dealing with moving to New York. And at the, my mom does have MS. And at the time, I think she was having like more struggling more so with like the day-to-day symptoms. And I was having a really hard time with moving to New York. I'm like, my niece, oh, I didn't even know at the time, but you know, my niece is going to be born. Like, am am I moving away? Like my mom's sick. Is this the right thing to do? Even though it felt like the right thing to do. And that's initially kind of like why I started seeing a therapist. And like, yes, I had just gone through a breakup, but we never really talked about that. But what was weird, what we ended up talking about was at the time, like this is in 2011, like different people in my life and different dynamics in those relationships. And like, I never even, I would have never thought that that would be like what was causing mm-hmm. like turmoil in my life. Right. And similarly to the end of 2016, when I started seeing my current therapist, I pretty much started because I'd like started having panic attacks for what was happening with like my family dynamic and mm. what we ended up talking about was nothing. I mean, there were some family things, but what we were like digging deep with was more so like different friendships and really getting into the nitty gritty with that. And it's interesting as these situations over the last two and a half years have kind of like dissolved themselves or, you know, just things have changed. You've cut certain people out of your life, things at time is, is in your favor and you kind of move on from different things happening. Now we're getting into like maybe why I haven't really had an interest in dating in the last few mm, years and yeah. like what's happened and like I'm fine you know with being single but like maybe I don't trust people and why is that and kind of like breaking things down no one thinks a lot of people think they don't need to go to therapy but I, I think I'm a firm believer that like most people I think everyone, but I don't want to like make these bold blanket statements, but I think everyone could do with some therapy in their life mm-hmm. you know even if you think you don't need to go, it's things you don't even like, you can't even like bring into like your forefront of your mind, you know? Right. Like friends can sort out symptoms, but therapists find root causes and, and sim- fixing symptoms never solve a problem. You're always, it's always going to bubble up. It's always going to come back to like, well, why do I feel this way? And until you, something is so freeing about isolating that. And like we, something we couldn't like connected about initially that I haven't done that I thought was so interesting oh, yeah. is, um, I don't know if you've talked about I doing like, re- it, I've yeah. talked about that. I want to talk about it. Yeah. Like point. you so, can do a deeper dive with just gloss yeah. over it, but like hypnotherapy regression therapy yeah. where you essentially like are put into a state of hypnosis and it's not weird and it's not like a circus act. No. It's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, kind of closing off your frontal lobe and accessing parts of your subconscious that you aren't, you're not readily like aware of day to day. It's kind of like we're absorb. We only know like what 98, 92% of the brain's function, like 98% of the, what the brain does. We have no idea, which is wild when you think about wild. it. And we're absorbing stuff all the time that we don't know affects our thought process. So hypnotherapy theoretically can have you access those parts of your brain. And when they record it, a lot of times it's recorded and you'll hear people say things that are very accurate that did happen. And when the person wakes up and watches and listens, they're like, oh yeah, but they, it's not like in your front of mind. Like you actually think you forgot about it. You can, it's, it's the craziest thing. And like, I think, I know you'll go into it later, but I always thought it was interesting that you said the stuff you said um, when you tried that was nothing you thought you were going to say or that you were even concerned with day-to-day whatsoever. Not at all. Yeah, it's so interesting. So with that, what I did was 
It's called RTT, and I first learned about it on the Lively Show podcast, and she, Jess, talked about it. She, it's this woman in London who, like, trains people, and I think Jess had this woman, Marissa Peer, on her show, and then maybe did an episode separate of Marissa guiding this woman through her kind of more subconscious pattern. It's basically like a way to discover patterns that you don't know that are there. And what they, and like, I'm all for talk therapy, obviously, but this whole claim to fame is that you get down to the root issues in 30 minutes versus <laughs> what might take you two years in therapy. That, you know, That's like a great way to think about it. So I, I did it. So I found a woman. I did it via Skype. It wasn't even in person. And so the most, the farthest away memory that I recalled was probably like, it, they were all in high school. And a lot of times there have been people... I think it's in one of these lively show episodes that I found wild. Like this woman who was like severely claustrophobic and did like to the point where like she like couldn't like live her life like mm-hmm. in public and ended up doing this and found out that like when she was being born, she got stuck in the birth canal or something. Mm-hmm. And like that's what triggers like her claustrophobia. Yeah. But growing up, your mom is never going to be like, it, she never no. knew that she got caught in the birth canal. Like her mom, I don't know, you, right. it didn't come up right. and like went through this. And then it's almost like when you, when you're older and as an adult and in your rational mind, when you're able to see like, oh, I, I understand the root cause of this. I'm that I'm not going to be caught in a birth canal anytime in my yeah, right. right now. <laughs> so it, you're able to just kind of like rationally walk out of these fears. hundred percent. And it like, almost like strips them away in a sense. And people don't really talk about this type of therapy. And I think I'm glad. Yeah, that's an important point. I think it's mostly used for phobias. Yeah. Because like irrational phobias that aren't like really tied to mental health are kind of a tricky thing. And um, this the book that I was reading about it, similarly, like this woman had an intense fear of choking. And like I thought about it all the time, dreamt about it, like obsessed about it, had issues eating and drinking when she did RTT. Um, she very vividly described a scene where a utensil was dropped down her throat during a tonsillectomy. And this is like modern enough where they could go like back to the scribe or whatever of the surgery. And like, yeah, somebody dropped a surgical utensil down her throat that she was literally under anesthesia for, but your, your brain still picked it up. Yeah. And somewhere deep in her brain, she was afraid of choking. And like that, that story for me, probably similar to your birth canal story, I was just like, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's hard and fast proof that we are absorbing so much more. And that's like why, you know, in medicine, they say bedside manner is so important. They like how people act around you, whether you're conscious, not conscious during surgery. I mean, even like stuff you think you process, you just don't. And there's no way to access that. It's kind of like ayahuasca. They say you like reach your higher self or like meditation helps you reach your higher self. It's almost just like a means to access a different part of the brain. A hundred percent. So I, when I've like tried to explain it to people, I try to like avoid like the term hypnosis because I think it sounds <laughs> You're very wild. sleepy. Yeah. yeah. But from how I understand it, basically, so your brain waves, right? There's like beta, theta, I don't even like. I'm not a brain scientist, mm-hmm. but it's You're different. Not? <laughs> so weird, I know. Um, but there's different when you're in more of a. I think you are. We always in beta, and you try to get down to alpha and like Is meditation. Gamma one? Yeah, but gamma might be like sleeping. 
So anyway, I think in theta, I don't know, regardless, like meditation brings you, if you think like you're at the top, like very high energy, those are our thoughts. When you're meditating and you're in more of a peaceful state, you're maybe like one notch down on the scale. Like think about it uh, like the earth, right? You know, like the soil is like the crazy part and like wind is blowing the soil around. Go under that. It's like the next layer, you know, where it's a little bit more calm and you kind of just like relax yourself into a deep meditative state where it's like the brain waves aren't processing all of Mm. the shit around you. So it's not as chaotic. It's like a deep meditative state where you're able to like recall these memories. Interesting. I never heard the earth analogy. That's... I just made that up. But... No, but they make sense. It's like like in the mantle and like the magma. Yeah. It's just like, and then the core, literal core. It's like there. It's its own world, independent of the others. They can't function without the other. But you're, you don't see it. Totally. So does it and exist? Know, and you don't know what's under there until you like get under there. Right. You, know? you are a Dig brain scientist. Maybe. You know. <laughs> no, it's. It, I think like that's what's so fascinating is a lot of people are. I think a, a reason why we get along is because we're both kind of into the woo-woo type thing. just have an open mind. Or, like, yeah. I love learning about this stuff. Yeah, and what I like mean is when I say woo-woo, it's like I almost will say that to um, offset it in case I'm like weirding somebody out. Oh, totally. But the reality is there's so much of it is grounded in science from what we know about the brain and so many metaphysical principles can't I love be that you just dis- said metaphysical. It can't be why. <laughs> I just feel like I mean it is. Yeah, it can't be disproved because we don't know ninety eight percent of the brain's function. So who's to say we can't access other planes, can't see ghosts, can't like recognize signs, can't access other parts of ourselves? Like we just don't know. And like my argument is just like think, do what you want, think what you want. But I don't want to live in a world where everything makes sense. What a depressing life that is. I hope there are things that are so freaking totally. crazy. That I'll find out eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think rational is a sad place to live. <laughs> totally. And why I was like laughing at that earlier. I remember. I feel like there was one t- conversation that we had when I was like using the word like synchronicities, and you're like, normal people don't use that. It's like, like one a- of my favorite words. <laughs> normal people don't use that in like a day to day setting. Normal, but normal people call them coincidences. Yeah. And I don't know, with the regressional theory, it's just, it's so interesting. And I want to like dive deeper into that. I feel like it's like a whole nother beast of itself, but. Because you need to describe your experience. I think people will feel a lot better about it. Like you should do an episode where you're like. Yeah, this is what happened kind of thing. And I, I want to do that. But yeah. And obviously like, I think past life, like I didn't go back that far, obviously to like being in the birth or whatever, but there were things that I realized just about like kind of beliefs I had about myself and you're kind of like, whoa, and we'll get it. It's like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to like, I'll get to this, some secret, like tease you on this, but I just think that like getting into it. Yeah, no, I think like we kind of glossed over it. The point being is like, I think we don't always know why we're processing things the way we are. And it's like worth the pursuit, not necessarily to go to hypnotherapy. Yeah. But like, I just think that the more you learn about the way people try to rectify certain aspects of mental health or the science behind a lot of that things with mental health, you feel less weird about it. Yeah. It's it's like a, you're not going to deny a diabetic insulin if you have chemical imbalances in your brain or if you have trouble processing information, you have anxiety, whatever, especially because things like anxiety and depression affect your overall health. 
like you are so much more prone to like inflammation and to so many issues with health when you are in that like hyper tense, high blood pressure, like yeah. crazy mode all the time. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like growing up, it's just not anything I heard about, talked about, whatever. And we were talking about earlier how like it's almost through, not that, you know, our lives are that hard, but through self-employment, when you're your boss, when you, you give your performance reviews, when you're the only person telling you if you did a good or bad job, generally you're going to tell yourself you did a bad job because if you're the type of person that does their own thing, you probably are kind of ambitious and it's the self-sabotaging cycle of the ambitious that you keep raising your own bar and you're never satisfied. And I think that it is a, it is the biggest mirror I've ever had to look in, in my life. Totally. (laughs) I think I have like two thoughts with that. One with like kind of the more subconscious thoughts, like bedside manner, things like that. I I honestly think the more I learn about this, I am so hyper aware of being around kids. It's scary. Like anytime I'm around my niece and nephew, I'm like, what am I doing? Like any interaction that I am like, am I somehow contributing? Like it almost is terrifying, but also liberating, you know, but then I about like anything with like parenting, like I start to think like, you know, is this going to, I get like too wrapped up. I guess maybe that's the anxiety part of it of why it's, nerve-wracking sometimes when I'm like, am I like creating something that they're going to like have to go to therapy and like work through later, you know, of like... Because if you've picked up on messages... Totally. That when you were young, like, no, that I think is super self-aware and important. Like I... It's to the point where it's almost like limiting. It's interesting. You feel like you just don't... I mean, I know with like my niece, sometimes I'm like, I need to be careful how I talk about myself. Like I, when I, if, and when I have kids, I like, I don't want to make jokes about feeling fat, yeah, being bloated. I don't want to talk about like food or how much you eat or anything. I never do that in front of them either. Those bury themselves in your brain. And like, I always say when I went to college, I was taught to hate myself because I like felt so good my whole life. And then I went to college and everybody was just like, you know, talking about how bad they were because of what they ate at the dining hall. And I'm like eating a cream based dressing and I'm like, Oh, I'm not supposed to do this. I've always played I sports. Think, I have the, I had the exact <laughs> same experience. Yeah. And they're like that whole, my nail bed suck thing where people pick themselves apart. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like supposed to not like myself. Like I gotcha. And then I went through this whole horrible phase of like feeling disgusting because everybody around me was like so thin and perfect and whatever. And I feel very grateful that my mom didn't do that to me. And in seeing how, my peers were so affected by food messaging. Yes. I really want to be conscious of that around young women. I, one of my college roommates, her mom struggled with food issues and there were times that it almost, you know, that was just, you know, it was like if I, I went and got like Pinkberry, like I, my mom, we had donuts in the house all the time, chips, which is weird. I feel like almost in my adult life, I've like never had that around that now when it is around, I feel like I've almost, but it didn't used to be like that. I didn't I could, have those things and I always have those things around. It's inverse. Yeah. It, it's like whatever. Yeah. It's like the opposite of what you did. Totally. And I, so there would be a thing where it would be like, if something was in our house, like that's what she'd like eat it, you know, yeah. of like, cause it was never in the house where we always had stuff in the house. So it could be there and not like, I wouldn't touch it, you know, like it's, I didn't have yeah. the interest in it. So I've always, but I feel like I've kind of flipped and I'm more the, so the other right now, because it's like, I don't bu- let myself buy that shit at the store because I live alone. Yeah. And then now if it, a brand sends me some sweets, they're gone in like an yeah, hour, right? you know, but anyway, with like the kid thing, it, yeah, you don't know how 
I'm so glad that food is generally not one of the issues that I have, like, one of my weird things about. Like, Mm -hmm. there are plenty. But, yeah, you see, I was just, my eyes were opened and about how things do affect you. Even from a young age. I think, yeah, we all, like, have those things for sure. And that you don't even realize. I just think that your 20s are this whole process of a, recalibration of what you thought life was and was supposed to be and how you were told the world worked versus what you're actually experiencing in real time. And those are two very different things. And then you have the whole process of like, well, are my parents wrong or did they experience something different? Or it's just this, I don't know, it was this weird period for me. I I grew up in Virginia. I don't know. I, I just feel like, and then I moved to New York right outside of school. Those are two very different worlds. And I almost, I'm, I don't know, I, I'm so grateful for the experience of getting to do things shed of my own context, my previous context, and to make my own calls on things. Because I think a lot of people have really strong opinions about stuff they've never experienced. And truly, every, every like hot button issue even that I had an opinion on, I completely turned on its head when I met someone or I experienced it myself. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of funny how that works. And I think in some cases you can reverse it. But like, I've talked a lot about going to like these Southern Baptist church camps that like said, if like a boy touches you, you're going to hell. And like, it took me 20 years to erase that from my brain. I'm still like, you know, I'm like, oh, that's a low cut top. (laughs) (laughs) Cause like I was taught that it's on the woman to like, behave and to dress modestly so like it wasn't ever about men changing their behavior and like a huge part of me resents being given the opportunity to have a blank slate because my baseline judgments are what all these people told me when I was 12 yeah it's wild it's so true I should regress through that I know (laughs) I I really want to do it again I want to I did it like for more so like self-worth kind of issues before and I want to do it again with like money with like money blocks oh my god because yes there was one I think it was on the lively show one of like the regressions they talked through or like money and but it came down it, it that is based in self-worth too but I think I think I went a little generic the first time that mm-hmm. I did it because she basically asked the question she's like if you could solve one problem in your life, what would it be? Like, what would your magic wand kind of thing be? And I'm just too Ooh, self-aware. I don't know how to answer that. I It took me weeks to figure it out till we, like, were able to, you know, like, we had our yeah. consultation call and all that. But I knew, like, with different friendships that were, like, burying me alive, mm-hmm. with different guy situations, I knew it all boiled down to self-worth. So I'm like, let's just, we'll, we'll knock out all of these. But I almost think I went, like... So much giving and no Too taking, wide, you know. Yeah, yeah. but um, no, I think. But that's you kind of need to do that though. Like, I, I did you watch it? Did they like tape it? And did you watch it back? No. So what she sent me a recording, and afterwards, so basically, while you're still like, but like I remember it happened. Like I wasn't. It wasn't like I was asleep and I woke up. Like I wasn't like that deep down. And I don't know if it was because it was my first time. It was via Skype. Like it is a little, you're kind of like, what the hell is going to happen? What's going to come up? And I thought things from like childhood, you know, I think like I was kind of prohibiting myself from like, it's almost when you're meditating and you're like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Am I there? Is this it? (laughs) Like, you know, you like psych yourself out. (laughs) But yeah. So, so you remember it. Yeah. Pretty much all of it. And, but as like, she's like, what memory is coming to mind and the memory that would come to mind. And I'm like, the fuck? Like, how is that the memory that just came to mind? Like, I remember the memories now, but right. I would have never in a million years thought that that would come up. 
yeah weird shit wasn't it like like things girls yeah. said to you in high school you like a thing a teacher said to me in high school and then like not making homecoming court like which <laughs> i'm not laughing no it, but it's like such a thing that it it's was like, your world but my and it's not my mom's fault but i feel like i had almost like had this pressure put on it and then when i didn't do it it was like i failed like yeah, i didn't I get like, it oh. when it's something you can't control at all and it was like my freshman year and they only like pick one person. It wasn't even like court. It was like the representative from your class. Mm. And even saying it out loud, it makes me sound like self-absorbed or like you didn't get, you know, like oh, too bad. No. Or you know what I mean? Like somebody could like <laughs> interpret that a different way. No, I'm laughing because much my stuff is sounds like that too. Totally. But it's so much deeper rooted oh, yeah. than what it's like I'm literally shopping around a second book about losing a spelling bee. <laughs> <laughs> Because like it, it really like shaped my entire life yeah. to like publicly fail on something that there was a lot of pressure on me for that I was the only thing I was good at very young age no perspective yeah you can't that's the thing is at, when you're younger things do bury and things are so much more intense because you have no frame of reference no one's like woke at twelve like totally it, it, and it, it's impossible so another one of my thing was like not making like the volleyball team in sixth grade and so it's like all of these things that like and my mom always said like as a kid I put so much pressure on myself and they're like it's fine it's not a big deal you know like yeah. move on like are you the oldest yeah mm. and so but I I just had this like wanting to please ever you know wanting to be this like perfection child to like but again, I think it goes back to that, like, fixing. If I was perfect, nobody could be mad, and all, like, it'd be, like, not choppy waters, you know? Right. So if I could just... Mold so it was, like, yourself all, to the situation. Yeah, and it was, like, this pressure that no one put on me but myself. I, I didn't have, like, crazy parents, you know, that are, like, studied. Like, I... They never had to do anything with me because I put that pressure on myself, myself. Such an interesting nature versus it's nurture so thing. weird. Cause like you're, you admittedly your nurture affects so much, but like that baseline self you have of just being such like a hard worker, overachiever, perfectionist, like you've always had. But I think it also yes, but I think it stems from also the environment. I think I grew up in like a pretty chaotic environment, yeah. and so like my way of coping was then never rocking the boat because I didn't want there to be one more thing to be like commotion about. Mm. And if I could just fix everyone's problems and me be perfect, no one would be yelling at each other. Yeah. You know? Totally. And so Which that, is like a very um, old soul thing. Like like what kid is thinking that? Yeah, but at the well, time I don't remember otherwise. thinking yeah. that. You know? Yeah. Like it was just the way it like actualized into like behavior. Right. You know? What's your Enneagram? I don't know. I th- Hold on. I, I have it. I screenshotted it. I've only it's done so like hot one. right now, and I guarantee your listeners want you to do an Enneagram episode because people ask me, and I'm like not a wellness podcaster. So somebody told me um, I have a number behind my back of what I think you are. You are. <laughs> um, somebody, hold on, it was in a DM, but you can't fucking search. Somebody gave me a book. She, a, a girl on DM, asked me, and Aww. I was like, I don't know. I'm going to take the test, and it was after something where I'm like sharing more, like about my life. I 
Have we not talked about Enneagrams? You've sent it to me and you're like, do it. But I've never, so I did like the quick like online. For those of you listening, and if you're not familiar, it's very grounded in what motivates you and what, how you act when you're healthy and how you act when you're fearful and what you're like normal is. And it's the most dynamic personality test out there. Way better than Myers-Briggs. Which I found that to be like groundbreaking of like understanding myself. Yes. I, I, what Myers-Briggs gave me was the understanding that I'm an introvert. And when I took it in college, I didn't know that introvert versus extrovert was energy related. I thought it was just like, I'm, I'm friendly. I'm an extrovert. Mm -hmm. But like, no, I, I, I need to recharge when I'm around a group of people for too long. What are you? Like the four? Uh, INFP. Okay. I'm ENTP. ENTP. So we have INE different and... TNF. But I think I haven't looked at it in a while and I I would be shocked if mine like hasn't changed, but I think my E is very close to an I. Like Yeah, I think you, I can see you skewing either way yeah. cuz you like things with like crowds and lots of people and high energy, but, but it has to be the right thing. It has to be thing. the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> because then when your other crowds like totally shut me down. Uh-huh. No, Enneagram like I don't know, I've never felt more understood and like everyone who takes it uh, and tells me their thing, I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah, that's so you." But I like that it acknowledges that you shift to other personality types when you're afraid or when you're... There's something else I'm forgetting. But like, you know how... Because I feel like I have so many personalities. Same. (laughs) I kind of like how it acknowledges that. But yeah, I'm a four, which is like, you're a huge bitch. It's like you're an... It's called the individualist. It's like, you're very self-involved. You're very obsessed with your own purpose. You're. It's very me. You're very creative. You're very like called to have something unique to give the world. And like when that's compromised, you feel the most threatened and like it it was very helpful for me to understand and not that I'm like not a huge bitch but it was just funny because my (laughs) sisters was like you help everyone around you you're a real nice girl and I was like yikes what's wrong with me (laughs) what do you think that I I four was what I thought that I was I can't not find the screenshot twos and fours are very good friends my best friends are two my sisters are two helpers and individualists help each other because like the two needs to be more individual and the four need like has a propensity to help people, but not when like our own stuff's going on. I don't know. I don't know. You I experts out there are probably it. like, you're totally wrong. But, but somebody <laughs> recommended this book to me that talks about all of them. Oh, really? Yeah. I need to read. Um, Maybe it's we'll do a follow-up episode part. about Enneagrams if you ever want to deep dive. Yeah, it's a very I would popular love to. topic. The other thing that we kind of mentioned earlier was it being like science-based. A lot of these like woo-woo things are actually based in science. I feel like what, honestly, the trigger point for me, and I always talk about this, like the first time I ever had to like pull over my car while driving, while listening to a podcast, because I was like, holy shit, what is this? Yeah. It was Jess Lively's like first episode where it's like things I'm afraid to tell you kind of thing. And it talks about all like the science behind like law of attraction and like Mm. with different things like that. So I think that, yes, I have like an open mind to all of this, but I think kind of what is like the gateway drug is when you start to realize it is all science-based. Like a lot of these like more like woo-woo principles, things we like didn't learn in school, do come down to like what we know. Oh, yeah. Like the more you read about like energy and all this stuff you can't see around you, it just, it blows 
my mind. And I don't know, it's, it's one of those things where like, I'm guilty at times of feeling like a lot of aspects of like organized religion, for example, come across as unintelligible because to use a uh, really outlander story, that's kind of trying to convince somebody of like a behavior that was used in an ancient society, like every society in the world used these stories to kind of help people behave, to teach them lessons, to teach kids a moral compass, da, da, da. not saying anything about any specific religion or like religion's wrong. But when people are like crazy um, verbatim quoters of scripture and stuff, I'm like, okay, like totally. I-, I kind of will write it off because of my modern rationale of thinking, well, that's impossible. Like let's, you know, get, get with the times, especially if it's like ignorant or like anti-gay or something that yeah. just like is upsetting. And, but at the same time, I get upset when people have absolutely no flexibility, no open mind whatsoever to like the stuff that I believe in. Like if I try to tell a story of an extreme synchronicity or coincidence or a a time where I saw like a sign or whatever, and someone's not receptive to it and they're like, well, that's technically impossible, but that's sweet. You believe that? I'm like, well, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's interesting. I think there's seekers and I think there's settlers and settlers, not in a bad way. It's just like, I know what I know. I'm happy with what I know. And I don't need to challenge that. Yeah. And then I think there's a group of people that are just forever trying to find something. And I feel like I probably fall. Into that. I'm always trying to find something, but I think they're both good. Yeah. Settlers don't drive themselves crazy yeah. and seekers do, but they're almost, um, driven by hoping that there's this underlying universal thing. And I, I mean, it's like the yin and the yang. Like, you've got to have both, yes. like, for a happy Yes, 100%. World, whatever. That book is called The Road Back to You. Okay. It's um, The Journey to Self-Discovery. And I think it talks about all the different signs. So maybe we should have, like, a little book club of reading that and reporting back. Do you struggle with audiobooks, like, self-help audiobooks? I have to read them. I do, too. And I keep trying to audio... Like, I, I just... I, and this is an excuse. I feel like I have too much to do to sit down and read a book sometimes. And I want to like get through it and just yeah. like understand it. And I'll try to listen to it while I work, but I'm missing all the important points and I need to underline and like highlight. Yeah, and I'm read. the exact same way. I have to like highlight, read, but the audiobooks I do listen to are ones that I've like studied, you yeah. know? And so I can re-listen to them and it's like a refresher course. Yeah. But yeah, it, it does. It, that's why it takes me months to get through like a self-help book. Like I can't read it fast. I go back and read like, it's as if why I didn't, if I applied that to college, the courses I was taking, I would literally be like running for president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. That's like, um, sometimes when I like expressing to my husband how like jealous I am of like Mormon mommy bloggers that have like F you new construction money and like 12 kids and like just are perfect. I'm like, wait, if I had never drank, <laughs> oh God, where would I be? <laughs> like if you'd like, don't party, you don't drink. Drink, you you really never live, missed a day because of a hangover. Yeah, you wore crew neck tops. Like I, I don't know. Like these people are so wholesome and so sweet, and they just never feel bad. That maybe they, you know, I'd just be like in a much different place in life. It's really hard to I say. Know. Oh, have you ever read Pam Grout E Squared Nine Do It Yourself Energy Experiments? I think I've told you. about You've it told me about this. Did your brother recommend you read this at one point or no. somebody? No, Am I thinking of something else. I, this isn't one that I try to do it in an audiobook and you need to oh. read it. But if like, okay, so to be clear, I'm, I believe in a lot of like law of attraction, energetic 
principles, but I do get a little bit annoyed with like the secret type people and people that overly talk about manifesting because I think that there's a, a level of privilege you have to acknowledge if you think that just like your thoughts can like will you um, a G wagon. <laughs> 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 like if if it was just about positive thought, like obviously there's a lot of people in much more dire situations that would think themselves out of it. That said, I think as a, an exercise of positivity, of positive energy, of you steer where you stare, it is, there's nothing harmful at all about visualizing what you want and where you want to be and whatever. But like one of the most interesting, I think, books that I've read that kind of shows you it practically is this book called E Squared. And it gives you nine experiments where you actively, she'll have you like pick a random object, like first thing that comes to your mind. And then like the next three days or like 48 hours, see if you see it all the time. And like most, like everybody does. Really? And yeah, could be you're picking something that you see commonly, but you're really supposed to pick something so random that you know affiliation with. Like, and um, it, it, it kind of teaches you how it's it's less about your thoughts like creating something out of thin air and more about being in tune with what you want like think of it as a radio tuner like tuning to the station that you want to be listening to and tuning out all the other things and how you'll notice so much more if you're focused and we talked about this like signs and stuff how it's not that some people are more special than others. I just think some people are more open and look more for them. But yeah, it gives you nine experiments that kind of help you see the power of law of attraction and manifestation in a really like palatable way. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to read that book too. Is there a different book that you, I want to say it was you, but for like going through like creative blocks? Mm, the Artist's Way. The Artist's Way. That's originally what I was thinking of. That's not my brother did recommend. You have such a good memory. Um, it's a book by said it on your podcast, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 because that's why I was journaling all that. Yeah, it's a book by um Julia Cameron, and I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know what like the conventional consensus is of this book, but I did it in college before I was ever aware of any of this, and it's like a spiritual path to higher creativity, and it's like a series of exercises and a view of creativity that's like, um, really, it's really secular, it's really like not tied to any religion, but it, it, it talks about like whatever higher power there is as a creator and you're a creator. And like, you almost need to channel whoever it is as a person that's like done all these brilliant things and you can do all these brilliant things. And like there, nothing is too saturated. You're limitless, whatever. But also it makes you do 30 minutes of stream of consciousness writing every day called like morning pages, but you start writing and you can't stop. Even if you're at a loss for words, you just like, you're like, tomato, tomato, pineapple, I'm having a bad day, like whatever. And um, you also go take yourself on like artist dates. Like you take yourself to a museum, you go to a botanical garden, you go to the zoo by yourself and you aren't on your phone and you just absorb. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of process to get out of, a lot of people use it for writer's block. But I use it as kind of like uh, to connect with my inner artist, as stupid as that sounds. No, I think we're all all creative, even if you think you're not. But accessing creativity is almost impossible at times. And creative flow is a very real and scientific thing. They talk about it with athletes in flow. How you get in, it's, in, in, in athletics, the it's the zone. In, in like creativity, it's flow. And um, it kind of helps you do everything possible to set yourself up best to get in that for when you need to be doing like productive things. I can't remember. Did I talk about this in, I think I talked a lot about like me going on like my lake walks Mm -hmm. in my most recent 
podcast on episode. Your, the anxiety one. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> you were like, I don't want you to think I have all the time in the world to be walking around the lake. <laughs> <laughs> no. But so for me, even if it's 30, 45 minutes, like, and I'm not on my phone and in those moments, which is interesting because when I've had like, kind of like some major, like more downloady moments, that's where I was. And like, for me, it's like not being on my phone, being in nature, what for whatever reason, like near water, but with like the nonprofit thing. Mm-hmm. That's like when I had like the download of like holy shit. You're the person that taught me about downloads, and I I don't I never heard that before, and I'm obsessed with that analogy because your best ideas it's they just come to you all they're already like okay but I didn't like make that up where it's maybe I, Gabby I Bernstein big, no I think it's Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. Kind of. I do love Big Magic, but I think I read it after maybe we talked about it. I don't remember. Big Magic is also a great... Big Magic's a great place to start. Like, because that's not really about, like, manifesting your universe or whatever. That's just about, like, being creative and being in touch with, like... But in Big Magic, I feel like it's in the beginning where she talks about how she has this book idea and, like, this exact storyline of a book, and then she didn't make time to ever sit down and read it or do it or sit down and write it and like oh this, and somebody else head. wrote it yeah to, to a T and she met this woman and she was just yes, like that is she can't magic. say that this woman took it but it's like whatever with like create creativity it goes to somebody it goes else, to somebody else. Oh, I forgot about that I get so many like lines that I take from books not like plagiarism but like you know you, you pick up like your catchphrases you say all the time like downloads and one of my favorite things Liz Gilbert says is how hard people fight to argue for their own limitations. Like, you're, like, the defendant of your limitations. Like, all people do is talk about why they can't, can't do stuff. Yeah, that's and so interesting. And phrase to me, like, something about that made so much sense to me. And in every interview, I always, like, quote her for that. I'm like, everybody spends so much time arguing for their limitations that they don't even realize, like, the w- they don't lead with potential. They, like, lead with fear and all the things that are could be working against them instead of, like, the chance it could work. Which that in and of itself, if you want to talk about, like, energy and more scarcity, like, if you're operating from, like, more of that, like, scarcity of, yeah. like, why it won't. Or the biggest thing that I feel like I've realized, whether you're reading a book from Gabby Bernstein, Liz Gilbert, Buddha's thoughts, everything has, like, the same core principles, even every religion. And that's a very, when you strip away all of, like, the kind of, like, craziness of, mm-hmm. like, some religions that you, like, don't identify with or whatever, pretty much everything comes down to, like, these, like, core principles, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't, like, I'll learn more about, like, Buddhism and and I'm like, well, that sounds an awful, awful lot like this. Or mm-hmm. I don't know. The more I learn about different topics, I'm just kind of like, we're all saying the same shit in different ways. And like, I feel like we talked about this of how I don't, whether you believe in God or you're super Christian or Catholic, like whatever works for you works for you. Yeah. Like, and I don't feel any type of way about like, I feel like I said, like, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. I'm not trying to, like, convert people to yes. thinking with more of a spiritual mind. Like, do what works for you. Like, you'll find it in your own time, whatever way. That's what I like about you is you're not, like, trying to sell me crystals. <laughs> I, I draw the line at crystals. I've tried, and I, like, I have some, but I, I don't understand it. No, me either. I'm so not opposed to it. Everybody who's had, like, something with it, I totally believe them. I feel like I'm just not there, but I don't have to, like, discount it. You know, it's just like, it's the same thing with the radio frequency. I'm just listening to a different station. There could be a time in my life where like crystals are speaking to me and I'm tuned into that frequency. But like right now it's not. Totally. Yeah. It's like, I have, I 
draw the line there mostly because of cost. I think they're beautiful. Like I'd love to have a collection, but the, the only thing I discount is when people encourage a hard and fast antidote remedy for like common human conditions that we all work through and have to deal with and just find our own belief system to like work around it's not like okay you need to put an amethyst in your bra and then like pray over this and I'm like no that's not gonna work and that's a scam you know (laughs) I think like we all need to be so much less solutions oriented and, and so much more think of yourself as in a perpetual phase of discovery Like, I just don't think we're going to get a solution or like solve every single problem. But like, what an exciting life to live if you're constantly discovering more things about yourself, about others, about the universe. I mean, it's kind of great to know that like how you are now, you'll probably never get the answer. And you can either feel incredibly daunted by that or incredibly like moved by it. Yeah. And depending on the day. (laughs) Oh. I feel very differently. Same. But in my more lucid moments, I, I really appreciate, enjoy, embrace the ambiguity that I think a lot of closed-minded people cannot wrap their head around. And, like, I think I only care when people are, like, harming other. I mean, it's like, I struggle. It's like, I want to be open-minded, but, like, if you're, you know, doing conversion therapy, trying to, like, convert people or, like, you don't believe in, you know, gay marriage and, like, yeah, all that, that stuff, like, you know, that's hard. Totally. I just want, I think that the premise of all those religions is love thy neighbor. Yes. And, like, anytime you're doing something that's not love thy neighbor, take a step back. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I forget what you were saying earlier, and I don't remember if it was on this podcast or yours, but you talked about being separate, but you didn't say separate. I was thinking separate. About being, like, unique. Uh, the alcohol. Oh, terminal uniqueness. Terminal yeah, uniqueness. This podcast. So in the book I'm currently reading, Gabby Bernstein's May Cause Miracles, it's this whole thing about when you view yourself as separate, mm-hmm. like, that's when you're disconnected from, like, we're all from the same creator, same source energy, same like whatever, but viewing yourself as special or other people as more special, putting them on pedestals. That's where like a lot of like disconnect comes in. Mm -hmm. And even talking about like the, you know, somebody struggling with like an addiction or something or different problems, you think that no one else, like you are so separate, like you were this like individual, but if you can, do you know what I mean? It's like everything kind of like boils down to like the the same same thing, but just in different ways. That's so true. Similarly, like the single most poignant thing I've ever read, I think, or like concept I've ever read about. And I talk about this on my podcast a lot is the concept of narcissistic anxiety. Oh my gosh. When you first said that term to me, I feel like I was like, oh my God, yes. It's something we all have and like don't, you know, when you walk away from a conversation and you're like, oh my God, I'm the worst. I said this, I did that. You're like replaying conversations in my head. Sometimes I hear myself talking to myself, repeating what I think I said to like try to make it sound normal (laughs) and, or like you do something at work or you have a weird interaction and like it's consuming and you have a pit in your stomach. And but when the reality is everyone is too self consumed with themselves to even care or remember what you said, because think of yourself walking away from a conversation. Are you hanging on there every word? No, you're thinking like, did they like me? Did I help them? Did I add value? Like we're all just kind of self-obsessed beings in like a non-malicious way. It's just like is what it is. And I feel like there's something powerful in really accepting that not everybody is putting nearly as much thought into you as you think they are. Because a lot of anxiety is about what other people think. Yeah. And I think that that can like go back to like more of a more like spiritual base of like, it's not like just, you know, being so self-obsessed with like ourselves, like kind of like taking the self out of it. 
you know, mm-hmm. like goes back to like the, the, greater you know, the good ego of, out of it. Yeah, right. It's because it, it's it's not intentional. Mm-mm. It's just kind of how we're built. Like because your it's your world, it's your life, it's your whatever. We think that we're like it's us, you know. But I think that so many different like spiritual practices when you like get deeper and deeper, yeah. it's like getting rid of like the self. Yeah. Going beyond like the power of the mind. Like that's like Eckhart Tolle, but that's also, you know, like it's. I also did that on an audio book and I feel like I missed so many things. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. He has a very thick accent though. So I I recommend reading it. Yeah. I've never listened. So like, what do you do when you're in a rut? Like what, do you have like a set of things you do that kind of help you like reconnect with yourself or feel better or. Like on a day to day level or like if I'm having an off day or like overall. When you're in kind of funks, like I always think it's interesting what people do when they're just like really down and out. Yeah. I go to relax feet. (laughs) (laughs) I need to do that. I go to movies by myself. Yeah. I go get dinner. I like doing being in public places alone. I find it like very liberating. hundred percent. And I do my best thinking. Yeah. So like I talked about that. I don't know if it was a blog post or somewhere, some, somewhere where I was sharing something. I like last week and I was like going through it. I felt like I was like, my week was thrown and like Tuesday night took myself out to dinner at a place where there wasn't Wi-Fi, So I could just write like writing for me is always cathartic. And last May when I was feeling like particularly lost when I was doing a lake walk that's another thing for me and if you don't live by a lake walk out find some a grassy knoll find something that's like go for a drive yeah that's another good one like just it's like the zone it's like the zoning out aspect do you listen to music no. You're, it's total silence. total silence. Good for you. That's why like half the time when I'm driving in my car, like I'm listening to a podcast. Sometimes I'll listen to music and you know how much I love music, mm-hmm. but so much, I spend so much time in silence. Like when, mm. anytime I'm working, we talked about that, didn't we? About how you'll listen to podcasts like during the day, day and I will pick up on it and I won't get work done. I have to be in silence and I think it's yes from like a ADD, ADHD kind of standpoint of like, I can't focus on too many things at once, but same with when I'm walking. I I can't think about my thoughts or let myself get lost in my thoughts if I'm listening to music. And I, if you want to talk about music without words, I was going to say that maybe that's it's why. because your music doesn't have words. <laughs> but I think that that's why I can listen that's, to music yeah, right. without words because I'm not right. thinking about the lyrics. Interesting. Yeah. So walking, driving, mm-hmm. like getting kind of like lost in those. I used to like be a big bath taker. It's like something about being in water too, you know? I want to go to the air ancient baths so them. bad. It's, it, it's very cool. It's very expensive. <laughs> I know. I went twice, like once to try it out. Well, I guess I've only done the experience once and then I went back to shoot photos later and they like invited me to do it. But for what it is, it seems expensive, but it's, it's very cool. It's not something you can it do all the time. It looks legitimately but. relaxing. Like they have those Turkish bathhouses in New York and here, like the one in Wicker closed down. But yeah, I, I love baths. I can't take one here, but I, I'm very, um, it, like self-care is very hot right now. And I don't, I think like the least self-caring thing you can do is talk about your self-care on the internet, which like, so, you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. I feel like it, I've talked about that on here. Like self-care, it's not just like taking baths and like ordering takeout, at, infusing some in- essential oils, which I do. I do all of those things, Same. but like self-care is like so far beyond that. It's so far beyond that. And it's so like, I do, th- but I actually agree in that there's like a level of self-indulgence that people let themselves feel guilty about that is important. 
But I think the justification of it on social media, I think like a lot of influencers use it to justify indulgent things they're doing. They're like, you know, self-care. <laughs> yeah. Like I have this lavender infused hot towel machine that like, <laughs> okay, that's not self-care. <laughs> like, you know, but yeah. I, I am like a definitely a person that likes a pampering experience and that doesn't, when I have more disposable income, I really, really enjoy a salt oh, yeah. bath situation or a bath in my house or like a $28 reflexology massage or like, I don't even know. I've, uh, my dream in life, this is sound, every, 50% of people say this is creepy. 50% say they're on board. I want a place where I can go get my back scratched. <laughs> okay, so you have never met somebody who loves back scratching oh more than me. My babysitters, my grandmother, like it it is such a thing from my childhood. I would just be like, could you just scratch my back? I will fall asleep. I will it, it, it is the it's most so soothing. Yes, single most soothing. I've not had my back scratched. So, so long. long. I know my husband gets bored. I'm my, like, can you crack an egg on my back and let the yolk run down? <laughs> No, there's a routine. Tight, squeeze, cool, breeze. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> On the neck, like that. <laughs> it's he- it's heaven. Oh, and pe- truly people is. used to do that in like middle, like elementary, middle school. My grandmother, I mean, probably the length of my nails right now because I haven't got them done in a month. She always had like longer nails growing up, and she would just scratch my back, and I would like make my babysit. But people, if you don't have the right nails, it would like mm, not you can't dig too much. Like it has to be like light, but not in like a weird way. You well, know? what's interesting too is I've never had a stranger stra- scratch my back, so it's more <laughs> of the fact yes. that it's like from a nurturing person. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 or like, um, you know, like when somebody plays with your hair, like not a blowout, not washing, but like, just like kind of plays with your hair. I, there's those sensations that I think are very low overhead, low labor that I think could be done (laughs) at an affordable rate, but that are a little creepy. I just wish I could, you know, like a chair massage It's $15 scratch my back for eight. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) It's so true, but that's self-care to me. On my podcast, what I did by accident when I started that I now do because a lot of my reviews say they like this about music. It. it. Well, the music and that my podcast is stream. I don't usually, I have guests on like once in a blue moon, it's usually stream of consciousness, but it's almost become a game of I talk for as long as I can. And then I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> so we're like, okay, we started talking about like career and like how people are asking us what's new. And we have nothing new, but I guess what's new for me is that I'm starting a side business for back scratching. <laughs> <That's the bottom laughs> <line. laughs> but I, other than that, we are like kind of working on something too that hopefully, I don't know, in the coming months we'll chat more about. I know. It's like, we don't want to be like a yeah secret project thing, but basically we like kind of have two um, complementary skill sets and like schools of thought that we're trying to like use for the greater good. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I don't know. We're both always trying to figure out like where we can bring in more philanthropy or good into a, a otherwise perceived vapid space for the greater good. But also for me personally, it's like, okay, if we don't have much going on in our regular lives... <laughs> Yet we're working so hard. <laughs> yeah. There comes a time where if you're having trouble focusing and centering your own nervous energy, you almost have to channel it into other things and into like helping people or doing yeah. stuff. And like, yeah, I think that's like a whole different part of it is like the concept of, you know, when you're not like 
in Girl Scouts or doing sorority philanthropy or doing like, you know, the, going to a gala. Like how can like we as adults be yeah. giving back and extracting meaning from what we're doing? And I think from what I was talking about with the wing earlier this week, their whole motto is like the civic, social and economic like furtherment of women and I was thinking through those three things and I'm like do I do I do that like I don't know like what I don't know like vote in favor of women sure like you can, like but anyways this the, the Valerie Jarrett former advisor to Obama was like mentor one young woman do one th- one small thing one ripple can like yeah. make such a big difference and yeah so I've just been like thinking a lot this week of like maybe so my whole angst is having is like I'm just never going to be that self-satisfied and I need to do things for other people. I, I think that that's 100% it. My boss and I used to talk in New York all the time about he's kind of the same way about and yet yeah, no he's not a woman but <laughs> when you are a high achiever or whatever it may be you are like on to the next like you don't like sit and like appreciate celebrate the small victories mm-hmm. anything like that and I know that that's how I am, whether it's a work setting, a personal life setting. There's even like my therapist and I will have this conversation about, she's like, maybe get more into reading. I'm reading every, everything I do is to like further better myself and not in necessarily a perfectionist way, just being in a curious discover seeker, everything Mm -hmm. we've talked about. But it's like, at some point you're going to drive yourself up the, I'm already up the fucking wall. Like it's not even, it's not even a thing, but I think that that, talk about getting woo-woo, like everything goes back to like, how are you giving back? And Mm -hmm. it's like when you're able to, that's the thing too. I can't give away money right now. So how in my other ways can I like donate time, energy, and like help other people out? I think that's such a misconception is like, I I can't even like enter a blind (laughs) or silent auction at a gala. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I, I... I have nothing to give monetarily, but you can give time. And I did brothers, Big Brothers, Big Sisters for seven years. Same girl every Wednesday. Best experience of my life. Seeing somebody graduate. It has like a 99% graduation rate. Things like that were that are very like individualized attention, I think, are so, so awesome. And we're hoping we can use our entrepreneurial uh, experience to kind of like hopefully not make other people crazy seekers, but rather to sit more comfortably with themselves because that's maybe what we don't have. <laughs> 100%. And so on that, I feel like we could keep rambling forever as we've been known to do and we've been talking mm-hmm. on each other's podcast for the last four hours now, but we actually need to have a meeting about this yes, yes. thing that we're working on and the day is dwindling. So going to sign off now. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Wait, can I tell people where to find you? Oh shit, sorry. <laughs> Not doing this for free. (laughs) 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 You you can edit it out, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, Kate, where can we find you? (laughs) So, Kate, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at be there in five, F I B E, not the number, be there in five.com, be there in five.etsy.com, and my podcast. Shocker is also called Be There in Five. You can find me on iTunes or just go to the Along for the Ride podcast. Listeners also subscribe to section and you'll probably find me. Birds of a feather. <laughs> but thank oh, you for having gosh. me. Uh, thank oh, you for always coming a delight. On. Thank you for actually um, inspiring me to start this podcast. Kate's the reason we're all here. You and all of you out there are so welcome. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.